All right. Good morning, Cornerstone. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's great to be together and gather uh, on the Lord's Day uh, to the best of our ability through this means, but with the common heart and purpose to worship Him, to glorify Him, to direct our hearts to Him. And uh, on behalf of the elders of Cornerstone, I want to bring you greetings, let you know you're very much in our hearts and on our minds. Also want to let you know that uh, this Friday we had a great time uh, meeting with the Bible State leaders and, and other leaders of Cornerstone uh, by way of Zoom. Uh, we meet once a month, I think, as many of you know, and just try to look out for the needs of the group. Uh, this Friday, we were able to just go Bible study by Bible study and ask each of the shepherds uh, how each of the families and individuals are doing in their Bible studies and just try to check in with one another. Uh, we also want to let you know that we want to be purposeful in trying to pursue and, and to shepherd all of you at this time. Uh, obviously, we want you to feel free to share with us any needs that you have. Uh, each of us have mentioned that every Sunday morning as we've come on. And so I just want to remind you, if there's a need that you have, uh, please feel free to contact us, one of the elders or uh, one of the Bible study leaders. Uh, don't hesitate to let us know if there's a spiritual need, if there's a physical need, uh, a practical need that you have, uh, it's in our heart to just be available to you and find ways together to, to serve one another. One of the things that we intend to do uh, going forward is just uh, make sure that everybody who attends Cornerstone, whether you're part of a Bible study or not, have been uh, pursued intentionally. Uh, we're taking the roster of Cornerstone, just so you're aware of that, and dividing that up just kind of geographically and working through our Bible study leaders and those in their Bible study to begin to call through uh, that roster and just to reach out to, to those who uh, may not have been part of a Bible study, but still we want to make sure that uh, your needs are known and, and being met. So uh, if we work together uh, for both directions, us pursuing you and, and you understanding uh, our desire to be pursued by you, uh, we hope that you'll sense our availability and uh, in whatever way the Lord can use you to us to bless you uh, is in our hearts to do at this time. Well, as we begin this morning, um, I want to direct our attention to the scriptures. So take your Bible and I want to have you open them to Isaiah chapter 40. At different points in my life as I've gone through challenging times or uh, occasions where maybe I'm not as confident uh, in the presence uh, or the provision of God, I found this portion of scripture to be a, a remarkable encouragement to me, and I want to share it with you this morning. Uh, it's a little lengthier portion of scripture, but I want us to read it together. And as we do so, allow it to really minister to our hearts and prepare us for the Lord's day. So turn to Isaiah chapter 40. We'll begin in verse 9. Uh, the heading here in my Bible reads, The Greatness of God. And I think this is one of the, the richest portions of Scripture that really challenges us to think that no matter what we experience here on earth, our God is far more powerful. He surpasses uh, the limitations of our own physical uh, circumstances and presence. And uh, the way the author of Isaiah just articulates this uh, lifts our eyes and our hearts up to God and allows us to be amazed at His greatness, His awesomeness. But then the way he concludes this chapter, he brings all that down to its personal application in our own lives. But this mighty God knows us, knows us intimately, and will provide the strength uh, and support that we need to persevere in this life. So let's begin reading in 
Isaiah 40, verse 9. It says here, Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news, and lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold our God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. And he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as the dust of the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon, referring here to the cedars of Lebanon, the great forest. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Let me just stop and think about this. Some of the statements made in this text, going back to verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Think about what the author is saying. God is so great and and so surpasses uh, our comprehension that imagine him being able to hold all the waters of the earth in just the hollow of his palm there. He goes on to talk about the the mountains and all the dust just being like the dust in a balance or on the scales. And so the author here uses this imagery to take what is familiar to us in this finite, limited life and and experience, the grandest and greatest things we can see on earth, and he puts them in scale uh, in this kind of poetic way of talking about how far God surpasses even those things that we think are great and mighty uh, that have been revealed to us. 
but then you see the tenderness of God and his care for his people and his ability to know us in intimate ways. And so pick up the text again in verse 27. It says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. Why do you say he doesn't even know that I exist or what's occurring in my life? Verse 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable and he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And this great power of God that is described for us here is now applied by the author in saying, you will grow weary, you will stumble, you will fall. But God's power is available to you, and his commitment is to love us, to know us, to pursue us, to meet our needs, and strengthen us in our moments of weakness that we might soar, that we might run. And these are both pictures, of course, of just health and strength and and victory. And so this text is a wonderful reminder to all of us that the mighty God who surpasses our comprehension makes available to us the, the might and the strength that we need to be faithful to him. So let me just pray for us as we get our day started here. Father, we come before you, uh, we bow our hearts, uh, we humble ourselves before you and acknowledge the testimony of your word that reminds us that you are truly awesome. And to slow down and to reflect on that great truth has the effect that it humbles our hearts, rightly so, before you. And then to know that you are not some distant God, some impersonal God, but one who meets us in intimate and personal ways, who knows our frame, knows the number of hairs on our head, ordained every day of our life and knows our circumstances and meets us in the midst of them to gift to us what is necessary to persevere, to prevail, to press on, and to find the strength to have victory in this life and to overcome. And whatever circumstances uh, our friends find themselves in this morning, we pray, Lord, that these truths would minister to their hearts, to lift their spirits, and to remind them that you are a God who abides with us, And as you are a God who draws us near unto you, and you will sustain us and guide us in these days and the days to come, that your will might be done. So we honor, we praise, we bless you, and we commit our morning to you now in Christ's name. Amen. At this time, I'm going to direct uh, our time to Nathan Busnitz, who's going to lead uh, this next next section for us. Nathan? All right. Thanks, Mark. And thank you for leading us through that scripture reading from Isaiah chapter 40. What an encouraging reminder of God's sovereignty over all things. And good morning to everyone. Uh, Today, we're going to use Zoom and Facebook Live to actually coordinate a time of Q&A with uh, our elders. And uh, we're excited to have a little bit of a family time with everyone 
Harry was not able to join us this morning, but he sends his greetings. So it will be me and Mark and Han answering the questions that come in. And the way that we want to do this, because we want it to be dynamic, we want you to have the opportunity to ask questions, is if you're using Zoom, you can just use the chat feature and submit your questions through the chat feature. If you're on Facebook Live, you can use the comments feature. And uh, my thanks go out to Josh Dojero because he's going to help collate those questions and he'll be texting uh, questions to me so that I can uh, ask those questions and Mark and Han and I will respond to those questions as they come in. So please feel free to, to ask your questions uh, using uh, the chat feature or the comments feature. Also, I did want to say thanks to our tech team, to Jonathan Chua, to Mauricio, to everyone who's been involved in making this Facebook Live and uh, Zoom, uh, not just today, but on the prior weeks as well. I know a lot of work has gone into making these formats possible for us to get together. So uh, thank you to everyone who's worked so hard to, to make this work. It is, it is wonderful to have a means by which we can fellowship and encourage one another, even if it's virtual. But uh, we're, we're grateful. And of course, we look forward to the day when we will all be back together on the third floor at 830. And we'll actually be fellowshipping in person. Uh, but until then, this is, uh, in God's goodness, a, a substitute for that. So Mark and Han, I'm going to start with a question that just relates to maybe what you've been learning and what you've been personally encouraged by in the midst of all of the social isolation, social distancing, stay at home, quarantine, etc. cetera. Uh, I think it was March 12 or March 13 that the safer at home order went into effect. And here we are in early May and uh, we're still, uh, Enduring might be the word, some of the stipulations that are in place. Uh, but the Lord has used this to teach us all. Um, the Lord uses challenges and trials to reveal truth that um, about us and about him so that we might grow in Christ likeness. So I wanted to start by asking you and Han, maybe you could start us out what passages of scripture or what truths have been especially meaningful to you during this time? Uh, what lessons has the Lord impressed upon your heart and what encouragements would you have for our group just generally? Well, I think that, um, you know, we've been reflecting a lot about this topic and, you know, our desire, especially when this first hit, uh, I know I was talking to Heather and, you know, we're, it's like, look, we're a low risk family. You know, we want to serve. We want to do whatever we can to help. And then, you know, came the increasingly uh, draconian uh, lockdown orders where, uh, OK, well, maybe we can help people remotely because <laughs> uh, it's tough to do that in person under the uh, requirements of the law. And, you know, we do want to be mindful about the law and. You know, we've been reflecting a lot about what it means to be in submission to the governing authorities and, uh, you know, what it means to be, um, you know, I was thinking quite a bit about uh, Philippians 2, 14 and following, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, in the world 
holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. And, you know, I think scriptures, verses like that, you know, I think they help us to kind of focus on just how we can distinguish ourselves. And I think that especially in a nation where there is quite a bit of, let's just say, grumbling and disputing happening in the world around us, I think keeping that attitude of joy and, um, you know, of, of goodwill, I think is very important. Um, it kind of dovetails with a study I've been doing for some months on, I've been looking, I've, did, I've been doing a word study for every appearance in the New Testament of words such as always, without ceasing, continually. And, uh, you know, you think about in First Thessalonians, Thessalonians, rejoice always. And this is not to say, of course, that we can't have appropriate times of lament and grief. Certainly that is appropriate. But, you know, all of that still, you know, even so, even when we grieve, we do so uh, as people that have hope, right? Uh, an eternal hope. And I think that um, those are some concepts and scriptures that have been helpful uh, to process through some of this time for me personally. But I'd love to hear from you and Mark on this. Yeah, I'm glad to respond to that question. Thank you, Han. You know, when I think about, you know, personally what I'm processing at this time, uh, there's no doubt uh, the change in work rhythm, all this sheltering at home, uh, the first few weeks uh, required the ability to adapt and, uh, you know, transition to using Zoom and other platforms for all of your meetings and discussions, <clears throat> um, whether that's on the ministry side, work side, or, or whatever. And it also was an adjustment, I think, for a lot of us as uh, husbands who found ourselves at home uh, all day long. Maybe it was a greater adjustment for our wives and kids. But uh, we recognize all of us, I think, that that also presented an opportunity for us. But at the same time, uh, our wives and kids' schedules uh, were adjusted. We do homeschool, but nonetheless, our boys who are working also weren't going to work every day. Uh, our kids weren't meeting with their high school group or school events or things like that. So we found the entire rhythm of life slowed down. Uh, and brought a lot of focus to our home. And um, for me, what I've been thinking about is uh, when a measure of the busyness of life, uh, that intense rhythm that we tend to fall into uh, in our Southern California lifestyles, even in, in the context of church and ministry, um, there's a lot of blessing to those ministry opportunities and, and uh, the relationships and everything the Lord affords us. But when we're slowed down enough, for me, it's always a chance to examine my own heart and ask this question. Um, are my priorities in line with what God's priorities are for me? And uh, because I'm involved in full-time ministry, it's easy to fall into the pattern of thinking that I'm spiritual because I'm busy in ministry and I'm engaged with people all the time. And busyness in ministry doesn't equate with spirituality necessarily. It should be a reflection of a heart for service and love for people, of course, and use, using your gifts. But sometimes that can mask the reality of where your heart is at. And I found whether in times past we're, we're on vacation or or the schedule slows down enough, or even during the course of a day, maybe as I'm getting ready to bed or go to bed, 
where is my heart drawn in those quieter times, in those slower times? And I like to tell you, be able to tell you that they always are drawn to the Lord. But often uh, I fall into the same pattern, maybe others of you do. And you begin to fill those down times with means of entertainment or distractions or things that uh, they're not necessarily bad morally or, or evil, but they do compete with uh, a real devotion to Christ. And so that's what I've been convicted most about in these days is with the slower uh, kind of rhythm of life, what is that exposing about the genuineness of, of my true love for Christ? And the text scripture, I think, that has been on my mind the most has been John 15 and the principle of abiding in me. And what an amazing invitation and promise that is that Christ himself wants to have such an intimate relationship with us that can be described as abiding in him and he in us. And he goes on in that text to talk about being a friend to us, which conveys you know, a sense of, of knowing and being known and fellowship. And, and so wrestling with that, um, I've tried to focus my devotional times on, on the idea of, do I really, really know and fellowship with and delight in the Lord? And um, one thing that I wanted to share with all of you, it's been a real blessing to me, uh, the book I'm kind of reading through at this time. It's entitled uh, Gentle and Lowly uh, by Dane Ortland. It was a book that was uh, made available at Shepherd's Conference. And this seems to have just kind of cut through all the noise for me and really brought into sharper focus the person of Christ. And uh, there's about 23 brief little chapters in this book, and each one takes a text of Scripture and just uh, illustrates the way that Christ knows us and wants to be known uh, by us. Uh, you know, we understand things like He can sympathize with us. Uh, there's not a temptation that we face that Christ doesn't understand. And to have a Lord and a Savior who can actually sympathize with us. Um, again, he's not just some distant, uh, idealistic, you know, kind of savior out there, but he's one who has walked on this earth and he's engaged with, uh, all the effects of sin in this world. And of course he was perfect. We're not, but he can sympathize with us or, most recently, I was reading the section that we talked about him interceding for us at the right hand of God. And, uh, and then that went on to talk about how he doesn't just intercede for us, but he's an advocate for us. And looking at the Greek word there, paraclete, says that Christ doesn't just stand in the middle between God and us and intercede. He actually comes to our side as an advocate and in our weakness and in our sinfulness, He's our champion. He's the one who is affirming and encouraging and standing with us before God uh, as a testimony of his commitment to us. And so, admittedly, I have a long, long way to go, but I'm trying to uh, redeem the time, in a sense, uh, of just saying qualitatively, do I really love and know Christ? And um, I would encourage you, uh, maybe if you have some quieter times, to maybe focus on the relationship uh, that is extended to us with uh, not just Christ, but our Heavenly Father and, and the Spirit as well. So 
that's what my heart's been drawn to in these days. Yeah, Mark, I, I really resonate with that and love the really the focus on maximizing this time. And now that we've kind of got through the initial shock of all of it and settled into something of a new normal, though hopefully temporary, uh, I think we've come to a place where um, we have to start thinking about how are we going to maximize this opportunity and make the most of it so that it's not something that is filled with just distractions uh, or attempts to entertain ourselves or, you know, at first it, it felt almost like a forced vacation or something like that. And now we're all realizing, okay, this, this has been going on for almost two months now. So how do we make the most of this opportunity? And even uh, there was a, a blog article that I think my wife came across and shared with me that she uh, uh, that she told me about, but, um, the, the article was about using this opportunity, even to identify areas in our lives that maybe are areas of weakness or areas that uh, we need to grow in and, and using this opportunity as a, as a reset button. And so seeing it as a way to reset some things in our hearts and in our lives, um, specifically with regard to our relationship with the Lord. And, uh, so, making the most of the opportunity rather than wasting the time. So I really appreciate uh, those thoughts. Um, moving to some of the questions that have come in. One of the questions that has come in is about how to balance the relationship or the reality between the fact that we are believers, that we're Christians and we're also Americans. And as Christians, we know that we are commanded to submit to the government but as Americans, we have a right to free speech. We have a right to express our opinions, even about our political leaders. And I know now that we're, again, almost two months into this, there's a growing voice even of protest about kind of the way in which the lockdown has gone. So I wanted to hear your thoughts, uh, Mark and Han, about how, how are we supposed to respond, especially if we're maybe frustrated about some of the things that have been imposed upon us. How do we respond on social media or in the way we talk about the governing authorities or even in our actions? What's the balance between biblical submission and our rights to express our opinion as American citizens? Well, I can jump in. Han, I know you've thought quite a bit about this, too, uh, from a, a legal aspect. And it is the case that Scripture is very clear about our obligation to submit to and honor authorities uh, in our lives. And that would uh, entail every level of authority, whether that's parents to children uh, or uh, adults to uh, you know, law enforcement, uh, the government, whether it's your boss or so forth. And maybe before we get into this application, I just have a confess confession to make that was, this has been one of the greatest challenges and lessons I had to learn, even as a young man. Um, I remember being in, in college and being confronted by the guy discipling me. And he said, you know, you, your speech is characterized by criticism and sarcasm quite a bit. And a lot of it's directed at those in leadership uh, or authority. It might be a teacher or it might be some, an administrator. Or if I didn't like a rule at the school that I was attending, I felt very, very free to uh, complain or uh, 
uh, to challenge that in my speech among my friends. And, you know, he just said, what you're revealing is a condition of your heart in all of that, that there's a degree of pride that you feel very free just to express your differing opinion. And I had never really been taken to the scriptures before and shown those those passages and had to contend with really the heart attitude in submission to authority. I grew up in a pretty legalistic uh, church background. And so the emphasis was always on consequences and you obeyed because it was commanded. And if you didn't, there were these consequences. And so my orientation was always, you could, you could do as much as you get could by way of rebellion, as long as you didn't get caught or, um, suffer the consequences of your, of your actions. And so, uh, I remember, you know, being about 19 years old and this guy speaking in my life. And I had just never thought about, uh, the condition of my heart in response to, uh, authority. And so, um, I'm really grateful the Lord used him to point that out. And then later in life, when I became an authority, uh, in different ways, how grateful I am for those under my authority who respond, even when they differ with me, uh, in a humble and respectful way. Um, I always tell people I work with, hey, you can give me feedback, you can appeal, I want to understand what your concerns are. That's my obligation as a leader uh, to know those things. But I'm grateful for when you do that in a, in a respectful way and know at the end of the day, when I have to make a hard decision, uh, you're going to honor that and abide by it. And so there's a mutual responsibility uh, uh, with regard to authority and to those under authority to fulfill their, their role. And as believers, obviously we understand that, but um, it is the case that, you know, we live in a society where we do have certain rights and freedoms demonstrate to us. And, you know, we can engage in public debate because of freedom of speech. We could participate in a protest uh, we can submit letters to our congressmen and assemblymen and express our concerns. Uh, so we have freedoms others in the world don't have. Those are rights granted to us by the Constitution. Uh, but for me, I think as believers, they also are opportunities that we shouldn't just take advantage of without checking our heart and making sure that when we do take advantage of those, uh, those platforms for expressing our dissent or concern, um, that we also do that in a Christ-like way, that we demonstrate uh, a recognition and even a gratitude for the work and role of authority in our lives, our willingness to submit to that, of course, unless it uh, is contrary to the clear mandates of Scripture, but also um, wanting to be constructive in the voice we offer and how do we find a solution and be proactive. But, but more than that, just looking at the solution, looking at the way we put Christ on display when we do participate in those, uh, those kinds of forums that are afforded to us. So that's just one kind of perspective on it. Yeah. You know, in answer to this question, you know, I just, I, I think on some level, it's pretty straightforward uh, from the scripture. I talked about Philippians two fourteen earlier, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Uh, Titus 3, verse 1 and 2, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all, 
men. Uh, I think about 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And uh, just even two quick verses from First and Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 4.11, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. And then Second Thessalonians 3.12, now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So I think that with this backdrop of clear commands, New Testament commands, I, I think that we have to be very careful with the idea of public protest, uh, with, uh, uh, you know, being very um, even vociferous in our critique uh, generally, as Mark was saying, you know, just talking about critique generally, but even of our government. I think about that verse, to malign no one, and think, you know, how many times have Christians fallen afoul of that verse, um, whether it's about uh, the president from 2008 to 2016 or what or about our current president as an example so you know and this is not to say you know i, I think that there can be places for things like uh, i want to distinguish things like prayer vigils and things like peaceful marches i think that you know those are perhaps contexts that uh, i could see in certain situations to be a little bit more um biblically permissible in certain contexts than overt public protest. But uh, boy, I would be really careful. Even you think about being dignified, you know, even if you are confident that you will act in a dignified way, if you're at some of these public protests, you have no control over everybody around you. And it's hard to look dignified if a person next to you is wearing some shirt with some uh, profane or obscene comment about it or wearing hats that are modeled after obscene things, which happens quite a bit at some of these protests. So, you know, it, it's really, there, there's another proverb that I also find uh, quite powerful, and that is the proverb, um, oh goodness, uh, uh, do not associate with those given to change. And I think I'll have to find the verse citation, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, again, uh, the notion of being rebels against the government and the governing authorities is, is a concept that uh, I don't think is compatible with New Testament Christianity. Yeah, thank you, Han. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I affirm uh, both of those responses. It's, you know, I think it's helpful for us to remember that we are Christians first and Americans second. And Amen. so when we think about how we respond uh, even to political issues, and it's not just responses to the current lockdown, it's also participation in even the national election that's going to be coming up later this year and the, the way that we think about politics in general, sometimes it's easy for us to think about our identity as Americans before we consider our uh, identity in Christ. And uh, biblically, the fact that we are Christians, that supersedes all other identities. Our first and foremost and most fundamental identity is that we are in Christ. And so as we think about these things, as Mark and Han have both pointed out, we look to the word of God and we seek to abide by the biblical principles and within the biblical parameters that have been revealed for us. And uh, both of you have already brought out a number of those principles. Uh, you know, one that sticks out in my mind, um, besides the 
key uh, submission passages like Romans 13 and also 1 Peter 2 and 3 is the reminder in 1 Timothy 2, really the directive in 1 Timothy 2 to pray for all those who are in authority. And I myself have been guilty of being uh, a critic, criticizing before I have prayed for my governing authorities, for those uh, who have been placed over us by God. And, and I realize that in a democratic system, we think of ourselves as those who put our leaders in authority. And there's some truth to that. But from a biblical perspective, it's God who sovereignly ordains, even working through the voting system that we have, to put the leaders that are in authority in those positions. And so our first response should not be to protest. It should be to pray. Uh, a second um, principle that I think is important is that as Christians, we want to do everything we can, and, and both Han and Mark hinted at this, we want to do everything we can to make the gospel glorious and attractive and to promote the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we don't want anything to distract from that gospel witness. And I think sometimes when evangelicals have become more well-known for their political positions than for the gospel, that becomes problematic. And um, especially in this current situation, uh, we don't want our neighbors and our friends and our unbelieving uh, family members. We don't, we don't want them to think of us first and foremost as people who are aggravated because of a lockdown order. We want them to think of us as emissaries for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So even in our behavior, we need to make sure that we are making the gospel attractive um, then just one final thought is when we look at the New Testament, I mean, the Apostle Paul in Romans 13 says to submit to the government. First Timothy 2, pray for your governing authorities. Peter says to submit to the government. First Peter 2. I find it amazing that both Peter and Paul were executed by Nero in the mid-60s of the first century, and their attitude towards a guy like Nero was, we need to be submissive. We need to pray for these people that God has put into authority above us. And as much as we might complain about some of the elected officials who God has placed over us, we really have nothing to complain about when you compare our current situation to the situation faced by Peter and Paul and the rest of those living in the first century. And if their attitude can be one of submission and prayerfulness, how much more so our attitude should, should reflect those same priorities. Okay. Moving on to another question that's come in has to do. The question is generally about uh, raising our children I think that's especially pertinent in the midst of the safer at home uh, period of time that we're living in because we're spending a lot more time with our, uh, with our children. Uh, but, but the question that came in was um, how do we help our children proactively uh, think about doing things that are good, participating in doing good? How do we proactively encourage them to start taking initiative? And maybe that question more recently is born out of the fact that, you know, life just got so different over the last two months that uh, how do we counsel our kids and help them stay disciplined and diligent when suddenly, um, 
school and church and normal activities all have gone out the window. So maybe I'll summarize the question this way. What counsel would you give to parents who are listening for A, how they shepherd their kids in times like this, and B, more generally, what can they do to help their kids take initiative to proactively pursue doing the right things? Thoughts on that? Well, I uh, have younger kids, as many of you know, uh, four and a half, two and a half, and six months. And so we're, I think, trying to build this into our regular uh, raising, training, discipleship of our children, in particular, Abby. Um, And it's, you know, again, I think I've alluded to this in a prior meetings, but, you know, for us personally, we've been blessed and privileged not to have a tremendous amount of disruption from our normal everyday lives in the sense that Heather had been raising our three kids full-time and I've been working from home remotely full-time. And so, um, you know, we've been trying to build into Abby just a understanding of what's been going on. You know, just she's, she seems like she's pretty smart and aware for a four and a half year old. And so, um, you know, we've just been explaining to her what's been happening with the coronavirus and, uh, you know, how that means we're not able to gather together as the church or with our friends. And, you know, she seemed to understand that and, you know, just to try to kind of give her the foundation of everyday life in terms of how she can do things like bless and serve her little sister or her little brother. And just to be mindful about times like that. Uh, the Lord has also blessed Abby, uh, so far with a great desire to share about the gospel and to share about Jesus. And so we've had a number of Zoom conversations with uh, family in the past. And even yesterday, we had a Zoom conversation and she was, uh, you know, able to share about what she was reading. She was reading a book of Bible stories. And my, uh, you know, my family is all, uh, are all, um, secular, I would say. And, uh, you know, it was clear they didn't really want to talk about that too much. We were also getting toward the end of the call. But, uh, you know, just to really encourage that type of thing uh, in Abby, she was actually quite distraught that she didn't get the opportunity to share more with the rest of the family about Jesus. And, uh, you know, we were just uh, trying to comfort her about that, but also encourage her in her evangelistic zeal, even, and how that's just so wonderful uh, but those would be some examples. I, again, and I'd love to hear, I know Mark, uh, you and Lisa have older kids, and I'd love to hear you know, how you would answer this question just so that I could be looking out for uh, things as my children grow older. Sure. Well, we do have five teenagers in our house, and uh, every day is an opportunity for us to look at you know, our walk with the Lord and, and focus on shepherding issues and even more so now that we're all together all day long. Um, yeah, I think we all know that kind of the distinctively uh, characteristic change in our lives when we come to faith in Christ is that we have the ability to die to ourself. We didn't have that ability as unbelievers. We were idolaters committed to living for ourselves exclusively, and, and that means almost always at the expense of others' welfare and benefit. We're takers, not givers. And when Christ redeemed us, he freed us, as Paul says clearly in the book of Romans, from the law of sin. But we're not to use our freedom uh, to serve ourselves, but to serve one another. And so uh, always in our home, we're talking about 
you know, what it means to look out for opportunities to serve others and to combat that. And um, we all have to work through that every day of our life uh, to repent of selfishness and look at uh, the needs of others around us. And I think what happens in our homes is we become so familiar with one another. It's easy to just take things for granted. Um, we were talking to our kids this week about chores. They all have chores, but it's easy for them to think, well, that's my chore and that's all I have to do. When there's other needs around the house, well, that's not my assigned responsibility. So I don't need to, to help. So I was reminding, maybe even lecturing uh, some of my kids yesterday uh, about, hey, look around. If there's a need, go ahead and offer yourself in service to meet that need, even if somebody hasn't asked you uh, to meet that. Lighten the load of your mom or lighten the load of somebody else by, by doing that. And so we all need to be reminded that we tend to towards that default to just self-interest and selfishness. And we need the reminders to, to look up and look out. And it requires that we deny ourselves, whatever that might be. And uh, one of the big realities that Lisa and I faced uh, probably about three weeks into uh, sheltering at home was uh, we realized that we'd kind of all fallen into this pattern, almost like it was a mentality though we weren't that like we were on vacation. Um, and we were just seeing patterns in our home uh, that everybody was kind of uh, just kind of letting down and looking out for their own interests, whether it was more time on technology or playtime or whatever. And so we just called a timeout, sat down and had a conversation as a family to say, OK, we're not on vacation. School's still going on. Work has to go on. We might be at home but we don't need to have that mentality. I don't know about you, but sometimes when vacation comes, I run, run, run really hard. And then I let down. And as soon as I let down, my focus turns to me. And so I want to, you know, check out, I want to read books or I want to watch a movie or I want to go do this activity or. And so we realized that what was happening in our home was we all were falling into the kind of that pattern of thinking I can just kind of check out, and be self-focused. And so uh, I'm really grateful the Lord's been at work in, in our home. And, and we've been working at this now for a few weeks. And I see my kids uh, having responded well to that. Um, but we need that, that reminder almost daily. Hey, as we start our day, as we go into our day, let's be willing to set ourselves aside, uh, not just to get our work done, but even in our leisure time or maybe the downtime, to not be self-focused uh, in, in our attitudes and mentalities. And so it's, it's just a battle. Um, I battle with it. Uh, I want to be selfish in the use of my time as well. So um, we're glad that we've been given more intensive time to kind of expose that in our own hearts and to get kind of an extended quarantine that helps us not to just deal with it. Kind of, okay. That was one day we talked about it, but now, day after day after day after day, we're having to kind of really press into that and uh, try to pursue that by way of our example and and modeling uh, in our own in our own home. So um, that's kind of in a nutshell the core, I think, struggle, but also uh, what we're working through. And I th- there's times we've been real encouraged that we've been able to see uh, different ones of us make good choices. Uh, through the course of the week uh, to pursue that aim 
of being selfless uh, in our attitude. So, I mean, ultimately, the scriptures tell us to achieve that, you have to walk in the Spirit. Uh, and again, that takes us back to time in the Word, but also a reflection. You think of Philippians chapter 2 and the very example of Christ, whose mindset was not to serve himself, but to serve us. And I think what's important to remember is we weren't deserving to be served that way. It's always easy, isn't it, to serve people who you benefit from or you gain something, whether they're affirmation, gratitude, appreciation, or maybe even something uh, else. But to serve people when there's not reciprocity or something that you gain in, in response is the real test of whether the heart is molded into the, the shape of Christ. And, and so I think we just have a lot of opportunities these days uh, to see where that's evident uh, in our hearts and our homes. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. That's really helpful. And uh, like you guys, we've, you know, we've felt the struggle of in some ways feeling like this is a vacation and in other ways, recognizing that this is still uh, real life in terms of the responsibilities and requirements that come with that, even if we're working from home and the kids are um, studying from home and all of those different factors. We've had a little bit of success with just kind of having uh, a schedule for the kids uh, in terms of the things that they need to get done every day before they have any sort of free time. And we've found that when there are clear expectations that are communicated, then things go much better than when there's not those clear expectations communicated. And maybe as parents, we have one set of expectations and our kids have a different set of expectations. And then that can lead to frustration and conflict. So, you know, simply communicating well and being proactive in terms of even as Mark, you shared having a family meetings and those kinds of things where you're able to say, in a moment where there's not the tension, but just a moment when you're anticipating what the next day or the next week is going to look like, okay, here are the clear expectations. Here are the responsibilities that need to take place. And, uh, uh some of that planning and structure, uh, if it's anticipated ahead of time can go a long way. Uh, you know, when society shuts down and the structural systems, that exist in society are no longer there. It's our job as parents to provide some of that structure. Even coming back to the original question, I think one of the ways we help our children start to develop self-discipline is by providing them the external discipline, not in the form of punishment, but in the form of structure that then they begin to develop patterns uh, that they can grow into as young adults and then eventually as adult children. Uh, another question that came in also about kind of life at home during this time uh, was about the fact that for some of us, I think both for uh, dads and also for moms, life in some ways has felt like it's gotten busier. I know for my wife, um, having the kids home all day and having me home many days uh, means that her life has actually gotten busier uh, in terms of all of the different things that she does to serve us. Um, what, as you, as you guys think about sort of life during quarantine or during the lockdown, uh, talk a little bit about the fact that for some of us, life has gotten busier 
Um, I know even with Zoom and other forms of technology, it feels like we now have meetings all the time and sometimes at hours that are kind of crazy hours. Uh, what has that been like for you? And what encouragement would you have to maybe those in our group who feel like, man, life just got way busier. And um, sometimes that busyness has made it hard to uh, prioritize spiritual things. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, I think this this is actually a question uh, that we got in the chat from Heath Cho, and I want to welcome Heath. Uh, I uh, did a double take for a second because uh, my wife is named Heather, and <laughs> so it's uh, kind of neat to meet another Cho. Um, but um, in any event, um, this uh, question is one that I think, uh, you know, there's a resonance with this question because, um, you know, I think that I think of I've talked to so many families and, uh, you know, in particular, the wives, I really, uh, you know, have a great deal of uh, appreciation and respect and sympathy for because I think that in many cases, it seems like there is a more of a burden that is falling on the wives, especially if, um, you know, um, again, the kids are always at home. And maybe that's not always the case, whether they're in school or not, or other activities, uh, it just requires a lot more kind of attention and thoughtfulness and planning. And, so hats off to the ladies. Um, and I think that uh, one way, uh, you know, we've had a little bit of that in our household, um, just in different ways, even though, again, there may not be a huge disruption, but Heather has felt like always on in, in a way. And, you know, even like it's tough to go out and, and get a meal, you know, in terms of, you know, just it's it's cooking every single meal, uh, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner. And Things like that, um, you know, whereas before you might have been able to get a break or you might have been able to, uh, you know, hire a babysitter for a date night out or things like that, uh, or, you know, have someone come over to help with that, you know, it's a lot more tricky. And so one way I think that we as husbands need to try to kind of be aware of that and to try to step it up in our own regard. And look, it has been a challenge for me just because my secular work that I do as a lawyer, uh, it actually has been quite a bit more busy in, in during this time. Uh, my company um, has been firing, I mean, just the company I work for has still been firing on all cylinders. And, you know, it's just been a very busy time for us. But, uh, you know, I think that trying to prioritize daily living uh, and, uh, you know, serving my wife and my kids, uh, that's been a desire and a goal, even if sadly I haven't always been able to do as much as I'd like. And, you know, I do think that, you know, we want to be mindful about just um, spiritual things, of course, during this time, uh, you know, of, of making sure that everything we do is motivated out of a love for the Lord. Uh, but I also think back to the ancient times and, you know, you had Israelites that were in the fields working 12, 14 hour days, right? And, you know, as technology and modern life has kind of gone on over the millennia, you know, I think that, uh you know, we've had a lot more efficiency, technology, things that maybe allow us to earn a living and, and eat our daily bread without quite having to do 12 to 14 hours of backbreaking work per day. But, uh, you know, when you think back to those earlier times, you know, those people that were working in the fields and laboring like that, you know, they needed to be mindful of spiritual things while they were doing that. They needed to be kind of praying without ceasing while they were doing their work. They needed to be kind of remembering why they were, what is their motive for providing for their family? 
and even just how they want to honor the Lord and to remember in First Timothy 6.10 that he who uh, you know, fails to provide for his own household is worse than an unbeliever. And, you know, I think that, you know, we can, you know, the luxury that we're afforded at this time in this country of, you know, being able to have a, a lot of additional free time, I think, is is a relative modern, uh, relatively modern phenomenon. And we can be incredibly grateful for that. We should be redeeming the time, as we talked about earlier. Uh, but at the same time, I think we also have to be aware that during times of heightened work and activity, you know, that is our worship, is that greater amount of work that we do. I think well-motivated, that type of hard work is absolutely, uh, you know, a form of worship. Um, one of the things Lisa and I talked about, one of the things that Lisa and I talked about soon into this shelter at home was she said to me, I feel like I see you less than when I when you were going to the office and I had and still need to keep in mind, I think what she was saying was uh, because we're, we're based on technology and I'm not used to working from home. This is probably something those of you who do uh, have, have learned to kind of work through, but I could get up and start my day and go straight to work uh, at my desk. And then I can work right up to the second she calls me to dinner. And, and I think while there's, uh, the ability to employ technology in a way that's useful right now, I think in many ways, technology also pervades our life and it's difficult to have margins. Um, and so I think we just have to strive to be intentional and purposeful to build into our day what our priorities are. And again, we have to kind of know what drives us and be able to say no or draw those margins if we can. Sometimes work demands in the flow of work, you know, there's more intense seasons than others. And uh, my wife's always very understanding about that. But uh, I start my day with a long task list every day and I never finish it. And that's probably like everybody else. And so we can become driven. And if we're focused, just working at our desk at home to, to really not protect or, or keep those margins of space and to use them in an intentional way, uh, with our kids. Some of the things we've been trying to build in is I usually take one or two of my kids to breakfast each week. And that had kind of fallen off when we were sheltering at home. So I realized, no, we could still do that. We just have to kind of go through a drive through, go find a place to park and still, you know, be intentional. Or if it's Lisa and I going out to grab some menchies or yogurt, uh, and doing that. So we're all kind of reduced to the same forms of, 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 getting outside the house, whether it's a drive or a walk or a hike. And we do those almost every day uh, as well. But for me, it's pulling up and pulling out of the work mode to make sure that I am making those transitions to life and family. Um, when I'm used to getting in a car and driving, there's kind of a natural transition to work. And then driving home is my kind of detox and get ready to walk in the door again. And, and that went away with this new schedule. And so I'm having to work harder. Uh, so that's just one, uh, one thought as far as managing and balancing uh, the busyness. Yeah, thank you, Mark uh, and Han for your thoughts on that. Um, one final question, just because we're right at 10 o'clock and I want to be sensitive to 
the fact that we've got uh, Pastor John coming on in uh, just a few minutes, 1030. Uh, This question is not related specifically to the quarantine. So a little bit of a different question, but it came in. So I wanted to ask it. And I should say this as well. Tonight uh, at six o'clock, Pastor John is doing another Q&A on as part of the Sunday nights of grace. So if we didn't get to your question this morning, or if you didn't like our answer to your question this morning, you can, uh, submit, you can submit a question tonight to, uh, pastor John. He'll be, uh, doing Q and A's as he's been doing the last couple Sunday nights. And I know that's going to be a great time. Uh, but, uh, Arthur asked a question that I thought was interesting. And, and I think it's a good way to end because it, brings us back to dwelling on the word of God and meditating on the truth of scripture. He asked the question about, do you think that the medium through which we access the word of God, do you think the medium itself affects the way in which we um, internalize or interpret the scriptures? In other words, um, is there a difference between reading God's word by actually opening a Bible and reading the printed words on the page, as opposed to getting on our laptops and maybe going to like BibleGateway.com and reading a passage of scripture on our computer screen or accessing it through an app on our phone or listening to it as an audio book. And if there is a difference, what do you think the difference is? And, um, would you advise someone to prioritize one particular way of accessing God's word over another? So kind of an interesting last question, but I want to hear from Mark and Han. What what do you think about the way in which people access the word of God in an age of technology and what mediums or media would you recommend or advise people to prioritize? Han, you want to start? Oh, do you want me? Okay, sure. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I'm just looking for the verse. Uh, you know, look, the, the body of Christ is made up of many parts, right? And I think that there is necessarily, not necessarily a one-size-fits-all answer to this. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, I would urge people to try out uh, multiple different types and see, you know, what works best for them. I think the Lord has created people who might be more auditory um, learners, and, and the Lord has created people who may be more visual learners. Uh, for me, uh, I've found the technology uh, available with the apps and the other things uh, to be very helpful uh, in terms of, uh, you know, I love being able to kind of go on my phone and flip to, um, you know, there, there are some ways to, there are certain apps where you can like check the Greek and, and look, uh, you know, what a deeper meaning of what this word may be. Uh, I really love that. I love being able to compare translations at a glance. Um, you know, even in my own study time, I really love being able to, you know, be on Bible Hub and, and be able to kind of uh, use that to help research if uh, a question comes up in my mind that I want to track down. Uh, it, it saves me time. Uh, but I know other people who just love the physical Bibles, and I think that's okay. You know, I mean, I think it really depends on what, um, you know, you, you kind of try different things and see what works best for you. Um, I do think that there is a little bit of a difference for me experientially to be sitting under a preacher's sermon uh, versus uh, being kind of in a Zoom video, if you will. And uh, I, I just really miss the, the physical gathering together. Uh, you know, I think um, two weeks ago, uh, one week ago, I can't remember, I, I, I 
cited a verse about how Paul was talking about how he longs with great desire to see your face. And, you know, I just really have that desire to see my brothers and sisters in Christ and fellowship. And, uh, and, and there's just something about just, again, uh, just looking at the preacher and, and, and hearing the word of God and, and just, I don't know. There's just, I don't think there's anything that compares to it on some level for me personally. Again, I don't want to universalize my experience, but uh, I just love that. And I miss that. Uh, and I do see a distinction there uh, versus uh, some of the video um, kind of, you know, there's a long, there's a long strand of thought actually on this topic. Pastor John's talked about it quite a bit. The difference between having church in person versus having all these satellite video feeds. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, anyone who's interested in this topic can delve into that. Uh, I don't think we have time to go into that now, but it's just a really interesting topic that talks about ecclesiology and how we do church in this modern era on some level. And I've found it very helpful. And uh, John also has gone over why it's important to have the physical gathering. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, uh, my mind went to several things. Your comment about learning styles is really important. Uh, I always have taught students that when you're studying, you have to know your learning style. And some of those are inherent. Some of those are cultivated. Um, and so uh, audio versus visual versus kinetic or whatever, you know, you've got to understand your own learning style and maximize that. Uh, but I, when I think about employing technology, there are unprecedented opportunities to see the advancement of the truth today in every format, print, digital, audio, work on a lot of those projects around the world in over 20 languages right now. So we really believe that we want to maximize every platform. But my concern is, and it's a personal concern, and I think it's true probably most of my generation who grew up watching TV and watching movies on a screen what we've learned to do when we stare at a screen is we kind of mentally check out. And I think we become consumers of content. And now that we're overloaded with so much content, we don't, we, we often aren't good thinkers. We're not processing that. And the Bible calls us just think of Psalm one to be meditators on the word, to, to chew on it over and over and over and to, to make the application into our own heart that produces obedience. And I think while we have access to more content, which is exciting and good, I don't know that we've matured as individuals to be good stewards of those contents and, and know how to shift out of watching something that's impersonal on a screen to making it personal by way of its own application in our own hearts. And so you still have to do the hard work of reflecting, meditating, applying those truths, um, or you just become a consumer of the content. And right now there's such a volume of information that we contend with every single day that it just kind of washes over us. And it's one thing for that to be true of, of pop culture content or the news even, but we can't let that be the case uh, as far as spiritual truths and their impact on our hearts. And so I think we have to be diligent, no matter what the application, if, if it's a printed book, a Bible, or an online version, to, to understand what, what we're doing when we engage with it. I mean, how many of us have even read the Bible for our devotions and can't remember what we read five minutes later? It's because we haven't applied ourselves to the discipline of really reflecting on and, and meditating on it. So I think whatever platform uh, we use, we have to be faithful to that principle. 
Yeah, Mark, that's again, really helpful. Uh, just to add to that, you know, the goal of meditating on the word of God, reading the word of God is that we might hide God's word in our hearts. You know, I think of Psalm 119 verse 11, where the psalmist says that he's hidden God's word in his heart so that he might not sin against the Lord. And even what we had studied not too long ago in James in Cornerstone, that we want to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So we want to engage God's word and read God's word and meditate on it, uh, whatever the platform is, whatever the medium is, with the goal of hiding it in our hearts so that through meditation on the truth of God's word, our minds might be renewed so that we might walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. So we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Just on a practical note, though, one thing I would say is I do think we need to choose a platform that doesn't that doesn't have the potential of distracting us from what it is that we're doing. So, you know, sometimes you see people, even in church, sometimes they're reading on their cell phones or they're reading on a tablet. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is the potential for text messages, other notifications, websites, etc., to suddenly distract from what it is that you're trying to do. And so I think choosing a platform where you're not going to be easily distracted from that kind of mental engagement that you're talking about, Mark, where you want to make sure that you're focused so that you are truly hearing and then having heard you can hide that truth in your heart so that you can act upon it and become a doer of the word and not just a hearer of it. Well, Cornerstone, thank you for uh, taking some time this morning to engage with us in these questions and answers. Uh, I think this has worked well, and maybe we'll have the opportunity to do something similar again in the not-too-distant future. I believe next week Harry is planning to be back with us. And uh, I know he's excited to open the word of God and encourage us from the truth of the scriptures. Uh, again, uh, this morning we have Pastor John, of course, at 1030 on the Grace Church live stream. He'll be preaching from Psalm 103. And then tonight at six o'clock, a Q&A with Pastor John. But I just one final note of encouragement. Um, uh, maybe I'll say it this way. Uh, as elders in Cornerstone, we really do have a heart to care for you and to pray for you, uh, to intercede on your behalf, even at a time when we have not been able to physically gather for a number of weeks. So if there's a need in your life that you'd like us to pray for, or a need that um, our group in Cornerstone or even our church, the broader church, that we can meet, please let us know about it. You can email uh, me, Mark, Han, or, or your Bible study shepherd. Uh, we are committed to shepherding this group even while we're apart. Uh, we want to be together even while we're apart. So please make those needs known to us so that we can pray for you and we can care for you because we want to be faithful to do that uh, in, again, the middle of a very unprecedented season. Well, I'm going to ask Han, if you would, to close us in a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll call it a morning. Han, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Lord, we're so thankful for this opportunity, again, uh, provided by 
your common grace to be able to gather via technology. And uh, Lord, uh, we do long for the day that we can gather together in person once again. Uh, but Lord, uh, just even as we think about these matters and uh, just process through these matters, I thank you for just this group's sweet desire to look to the word of God for practical answers to everyday living. And uh, Lord, I just am thankful for the opportunity to uh, offer thoughts from the word of God. I, I pray that, uh, again, uh, what the things that Nathan and Mark and I have said today have been in accordance with your word and its principles and that the people would be teachable to your word. And uh, Lord, as we go about our days and weeks, uh, just I pray that we would be doing so with a mindfulness of honoring you and everything that we do and uh, seeking to just glorify your name and proclaim your name to all the nations, Lord, um, as we go out. Lord, help us. We need your help. We need your grace just to even take another breath, God, much less uh, all the more so when we uh, just go about our daily lives. And I just pray that uh, this would be a time where we are intentional and that we would be mindful about uh, seeking to love you, honor you, grow in you. And we just pray for your Holy Spirit's help in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.